Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 8, and verse 22. And he, the Lord Jesus, cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. Well, friends, we're thinking for a short while this evening about the healing of this blind man. It's quite an unusual healing compared to the other healings that the Lord did because, as you see here in this passage, it's carried out in two stages. This, is the, this miracle is only recorded in this one gospel, in Mark's gospel, but it has this unique factor that it's carried out in two steps by the Lord. The vast majority of Christ's healings and miracles, as you know, well, uh, they were done with just one stage. That's all that the Lord uh, needed. He, uh, he touched a person who had a fever, and immediately the fever left the person. He said to the para- a paralyzed man who had, been, had to be carried about everywhere by his friends, take up your bed and walk. And in an instant, that lame man, that paralyzed man, got up and he started walking. He touched a leper, and he said to the leper, Be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy left the leper, and he was clean. Wonderful, amazing miracles of Christ in an instant. He commanded devils to come out of people, and they had to obey. They, they couldn't delay and say, We'll come out tomorrow or next week. Immediately they came out of men and women, and he, they were set free. He had such amazing power, he could do it in such a wonderful way. That was what usually happened with him. You only have to go through the Gospels and you can see uh, these things, friends, for yourself. But here, in this, on this particular occasion, when he's in Bethsaida and he, this blind man is brought to him and he's besought by the friends of the blind man to touch him, well, he doesn't do it immediately but in two stages. And yeah, even you could say it's done immediately because it's done in a, a matter of time, uh, within a matter of minutes, rather. But there, were t- there are two stages to it uh, which are going to be of help uh, to us. And I, I think as we, we look at this, I think it's here and it's done in this way by the Lord to be an encouragement to those who are seeking the Lord. When you begin seeking the Lord and you begin hearing about conversions and you begin hearing about what God does in a person's life, well, you may want these things immediately. And it doesn't, maybe it doesn't happen. In fact, often it doesn't happen immediately. Conversion today, especially, is more of a, a gradual process, a gradual coming to know the Lord step by step. Not, an ins- not so much an instantaneous conversion. It does happen sometimes. It does happen when a person may go for the, uh, for the very first time into a church and they may hear the gospel and the Spirit of God may so work in a person and bring them to conviction of sin and to faith in Christ in a moment and they're changed wonderfully. It does happen still. But usually uh, we see people taking, needing a little bit of time and the Spirit of God working in a person and bring them gradually to see and feel their need of forgiveness and their need of a Savior before they actually come to Christ and trust in Him. And uh, uh, this uh, here is, is uh, given to us 
uh, to encourage us, the, those who are seekers, to go on uh, to seek Him. Perhaps you're in this state tonight. Perhaps you are a seeker. You've come to, the, to understand a little bit. You're not blind anymore, but you've come to understand, to see a little bit of spiritual things. To a certain degree, they are clear to you, but you're still not saved. And you know in deep in your soul that you are still not saved. You're still not really there. You have some idea of Bible things and you can say, say you understand certain things, but you know in your heart that you're still not a converted person. And you're still seeking the Lord and praying to the Lord, Lord, save me. Lord, make me a whole, a complete uh, a, a Christian. Friends, this is uh, maybe your position maybe in this sort of middle ground. You're not against God. You're not anti-God. You're not anti-Christ. You're not an atheist. You're not fighting against Him like so many are. Maybe you were, but you've left that position now, and you've now begun to seek the Lord and to seek to be right with Him. But yet you haven't got there yet. You haven't found Him. You haven't obtained that forgiveness from Him. But it's an this miracle, friends, I think is an encouragement for you not to, go, not to give up seeking, but to continue until you come uh, through to Him. That as you continue to hear the preaching of the Word, and the, as you continue to read this Bible for yourself, these things which maybe look at the moment and seem somewhat indistinct to you and unclear will become clear and are, are obvious to you. Friends, you must move on. Don't stay in that middle ground. Don't stay content with the little bit of knowledge that you have. But this is also to encourage you to move on to the next stage and to uh, pray uh, for a clear uh, sight. So that's what we're thinking about. And I'm just going to go uh, through uh, these verses and draw some lessons for us. Here we see the Lord came to Bethsaida and they bring the, a blind man unto him, they being the blind man's friends, we assume, and besought him to touch him. A blind man. Well, what a, what a terrible state to be in. But a blind man, what can he do? How can he feel his way around? He can't go by sight. He can't, he can't go by what he sees. He has to move around by sense, by feeling. If he's in the home, he has to move around his home by touching the furniture and touching the walls and in order to make, th uh, make uh, his way around. He has to touch, he has to feel, he has to ha handle tangible things, material things, in order to uh, move in, in this world as freely as he can. He's, he's hindered uh, by his blindness, but that's the only way, by touch and feeling and handling things. And isn't that a picture of so many people today who are spiritually blind? They have no, uh, no, uh, no knowledge of the world, the spiritual world. They're blind entirely to spiritual. They think, well, this world is all that there is. Material things is all that they are. Things which are tangible, things which I can see in this life. That's all there is to life. That's all there is. There's nothing more. And I, so this person, they end up investigating and examining only the natural phenomena of life. Only the world and what is in the world, the physical things. 
and the things that they can see with their natural eyes, but they are blind to spiritual realities. They cannot see beyond this world. Well, this man was brought by his friends. This was an opportunity for them, they felt, to obtain the healing of, uh, of their friend. And so they bring him to Christ. They know that Christ, what Christ uh, can do. They've, they, they've, they've heard of what the many miracles that he has done already. So now when he is in town, when the Lord Jesus has come to their town, they want to bring their friend to him. This is our chance. This is our opportunity. He's healed other blind people. He's healed paralyzed people. He can surely heal our friend. We don't know how long he's going to be in Bethsaida. He may leave tomorrow. He may depart next week, and we may have lost our opportunity. We don't know. We must bring him urgently to, uh, to, to Christ. And that's what they did. The blind man, of course, well, uh, he was more than willing to go uh, with them. But these friends, they saw that window of opportunity to bring this, their friend to Christ a chance for them to obtain healing for Him. And friends, that's the same. We should think of life in that way. Life is given to us as an opportunity for us to seek and to find the Savior. Yes, you have to go to college. Yes, you have to study hard. Yes, you have to earn a living. Yes, you can have a family. Yes, you can buy a house and all those things. That's nothing wrong with, all, with that at all. But the primary purpose of life is to seek and find the Lord. Your life is a window of opportunity. It will, we, you don't know when it's going to close. Any moment now that window of opportunity may be closed completely. Once and once your life ends, well friends, that opportunity to obtain forgiveness disappears. It's gone. Heaven is withdrawn from you. The opportunity to go to heaven is withdrawn. There is no opportunity in the next life. Only in this world. So you must act wisely. You must act urgently like these friends and see, oh, I don't know how long I have. I must come to the Lord Jesus. They besought him to touch the blind man. And uh, we see them here. They're actually prescribing to Christ. Lord, this is our friend. We've heard that the method that you use to heal people is by touching their eyes. Lord, come and touch our friend and, and heal him and make him well again in this way. Do the same as you've always done. There's nothing particularly wrong with that. But uh, for us, friends, when we come to Christ, we leave him to decide how he's going to change us how He's going to heal us spiritually, how He's going to bring us to Himself. We don't want to be prescribing to the Lord and telling the Lord, Lord, you must save me in a particular manner. It happens, you know. I know a new friend uh, in a, another country and uh, he, was, he's, he said well, he wanted to be saved like the Apostle Paul. See a bright shining light uh, in, this, in the sky and something will dazzle him and he'll be cast cast down to the ground and it was so overwhelming he really thought he wanted such an experience in order for him to be saved and become to Christ and he was almost he was praying for it and looking for these things 
There was another man, I'm sure you know, in the Old Testament. He was a general, the right-hand man of the king. And, uh, he was a, but he was a leper. And he went uh, to Elisha the prophet. And he, he, uh, he went to him for healing. And he thought Elisha is going to come out of his home. And Elisha is going to do, call down some, some great miracle to happen to this general. Because he was such a great and important person. I thought this is what he is going to do. And this is what he is going to do. And all Elisha said to him was, go and wash in the dirty muddy river of Jordan. And he got upset. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Initially, he got upset and refused to do it until one of his servants uh, said, to, uh, said to him, it's a very simple thing, why don't you go and do it? And he actually conceded and did it, and he became well again. His leprosy left him. But the point here, friend, says uh, when we come to Christ, we don't want to prescribe to him and tell him uh, how he should deal with us, how he should save us. Some prescribe another way. They say, well, Lord, save me, but I don't want to change. Lord, save me, but I want to retain the kind of lifestyle that I'm living now. I want to carry on in the same way, but I want to be saved. I want to die the death of a righteous. I want to go to heaven at last, but I want to live as I'm living now. You can't do that, friends. I desire forgiveness from God. I desire peace in my conscience, yes. But I don't want a new life. I don't want a new life. I don't want to live righteous life. I want forgiveness, but I don't want to repent of my sins. I don't want to humble myself. I want to keep a hold of my sins. You can't do that, friends. That's your own way. I want forgiveness, but I don't want to yield my life over to Christ. I still want to hold on to the reins of my life and direct my life in my way. I want the control as prescribing to the Lord. Verse 23, the Lord took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw ought. He led the blind man out of the town. Christ takes this blind man by the hand and leads him away, away from his friends, away from the public gaze to a secluded spot out of town. And there's no resistance from that blind man. He doesn't say, uh, he doesn't withdraw his hand. He doesn't say, I'm not going with you. At this point, remember, he is totally blind. He cannot see anything. He's at the mercy. He needs people to lead him. He's at the mercy of those uh, who are leading him. He, he can trust his friends, but what about Christ? Can he trust Christ? Christ takes him by the hand. He could have pulled back his hand, but he doesn't. He allows Christ uh, to lead him. Why? Why is he not afraid? Christ to lead him away from his friends and out of town. How can he trust him? Because he's heard of him. He knows what he's like. You know, I think as I was studying this, I think it must have been something of an advantage to him to have uh, to be blind because he wouldn't have been so concerned about what Jesus looked like. So many people today are so concerned what, did Jesus, what does Jesus look like? What color was he? And what, what kind of hair did he have? And what color eyes did he have? 
He never thought about those things, I'm sure. But he would have asked his friends, what is he like? Tell me, what is that man like? Oh, he's kind, they say. He's kind to everyone. He's kind to those who do not deserve it. He's forgiving. He's very patient. He's a very friendly, he's approachable person. He has great power, but he's an approachable person. Anyone can go to him, and he doesn't turn people away. That's the kind of man that he is. He is full of goodness. He heals people freely. He doesn't ask for any money for any of his healings. He harms no one. He's never done any harm, harmful, painful, hurtful thing to anybody. You can trust him. And so this man, it's not a leap in the dark for him. It's not blind faith for him. When he allows Christ to lead him by the hand, though he cannot see him, he knows what he is like. And so he allows uh, Christ to lead him uh, out. He's not a rough man. He's not un unapproachable. I can trust in this person. Do you see him, friends, like that? Have you seen the Savior in that way? If ever you're converted, well, you must allow the Lord also to lead you, to take you by the hand and lead you. You must have faith in Him, in Him, and realize uh, His goodness. Well, we see what the Lord did when He took him out of town. He put spit, that is, His own uh, saliva, on his eyes, perhaps his eyes were secreted and closed and the, the, saliva, the saliva would help to salivate and to loosen those, uh, those eyes. And uh, he put his hands on him and uh, like a doctor, he sort of asked him if he saw aught. Like a doctor who gives medication and that to a patient and then later on asked the, the patient, well, did it work? <laughs> did it work? Well, it worked. It sort of worked, doctor. It's, it did feel a little bit better, but I don't feel completely better. Well, try this particular medication as well. And then the, person, the patient tries it, and he feels, oh, yes, now I, I, I really feel good. And that's the sort of picture we have here, isn't it? What do you see? What do you see? Where well, he said, I see uh, men as trees walking. I see these objects before me. Well, they look like trees. They have the form of trees. But the surprising thing about these trees is that they, they're moving from left to right and from right, right to left. And so they can't be trees because trees don't move. And so they must be men. They must be men who are moving around. But I can't see very clearly. I can't see, make, it, make it out very distinctly. The vision is somewhat blurred for the man. And so uh, he is in this state. And this is, friends, where perhaps many seekers are today. This is, this, this is where perhaps your condition tonight, you can see some, some spiritual things, you can see them to a certain degree, but not clearly, not distinctly. You're not blind, but you're not, haven't got your full sight either, somewhere in that middle position. Let me sh give you some areas perhaps to help you to see where see this, these things. Perhaps you're a person, a seeker here, and you know your need. You've come to realize that you need Christ and you need forgiveness. And 
you know, you know already you're not a good person. You can admit quite freely and readily, I am a sinner. You don't question that. But perhaps you haven't seen that your need is deep, deep than just a surface need. That your need is a need for total conversion. That you need a radical change to happen in your life. It's not just a superficial change on the outside. It's not just fixing one or two things here and there and repairing these things by self-improvement in my life. No, I need a total and radical change. I need a new heart. I need a new, totally new disposition to be in me from within. And I need Christ to do that for me. I cannot fix myself. I realize I need to change. But I, have I realized the deepness of the change that's required, a total change, a new heart to be born again, as the Scripture says. I may be, in another way, aware of my sin, and I may even know that I need forgiveness from God. I don't doubt that. I've seen that. I know, and I maybe I've even asked God to forgive me my sins, but I've only seen, seen my sins as the bad things that I do. Oh, I do this, I shouldn't do that. I do that, I shouldn't do that. I say this, I shouldn't say that. That's the sum and total of my understanding of my sin, the bad things that I do. I haven't as yet seen my sinful nature. That it's not only the bad things I do, it's I do bad things is because there's a real problem within. There's a problem with my heart. That my sinful nature, I am a sinner. My nature is sinful. My nature is not naturally good. I'm not inclined to goodness naturally. I do some good, but I'm, the natural inclination of my heart is towards evil and evil continually. The disposition that is inside me is for sin. That's what I need to see. I have a bad heart. I need to see that clearly. And then also, I could say, uh, for those who are seeking in this middle position, we've seen, yes, you can say, God is good. You can also say, yes, I need to be saved. But however, perhaps you're one who thinks, I, I can need to be saved, but I, need, I see it as a trusting in Christ and also adding something of myself. I need to make my own contribution. Yes, Christ will do 90% of the work, and I, but I will make 10% of a contribution to this uh, salvation. And both of these uh, will go together. So you sort of can see, in some sense, you need Christ, but you haven't seen clearly that salvation is a gift of God. It's all by grace, all 100% uh, by grace. And it's to be received by faith. I cannot contribute uh, to that salvation. I cannot earn it. I simply have to receive it uh, by faith. And I simply have to take it by faith. Nothing of myself must come into it. It's all by trusting and resting, we could say, on Jesus Christ and what He did on Calvary's cross. That's it. Grace. God gives you a gift. You take it. And then one final thing uh, we, we can mention is the cross. Oh, you've heard of the cross of Christ. You've heard that Jesus, the Son of God, has died on the cross 
You've heard of his death. You've heard how awful and how terrible was the sufferings that he went through. And you feel for him. And you maybe even have shed some tears over it and been greatly moved and greatly touched as you've read the biblical accounts, the gospel accounts of Christ paying the punishment for sin. You're not one who despises it. You're not one who ridicules the cross of Christ. You're not one who says, oh, it's nothing. It's who cares about that. You're not like that. You've been touched by it, genuinely touched by it. You admire it to a certain degree. You're moved by the love of Christ that he has, and that sacrifice that he has made. However, you haven't still seen, friends, what he was doing there. You haven't seen what the reason why he went to Calvary's cross. What he was doing when he was dying on the cross. You haven't quite grasped that. You haven't quite understood that. That there on the cross of Christ, it wasn't only a demonstration of his love. It was that, but it was also Christ satisfying the justice of God. Taking upon himself the penalty of all his people's sins, of all who will trust in him, was laid upon him, and he, in great agony of soul, was bearing away the sins of his people and making a way for them to be forgiven. He was satisfying the justice of God. That's what we need to see, friends, so clearly. So this man, he had some sight, he had uh, some light, but he didn't have the clear vision. And the Lord had to put his hands on his, him again a second time and then made him uh, look up. And then he was eyes, his sight was restored and he saw every man uh, clearly. What an encouragement, friends. You're seeking the Lord. Think of it. The light that you now have, He gave it to you in the first place. If you have some light even, if you have some understanding of the cross and salvation and who God is, oh friends, and, and that you are a sinner, that you can confess these things. Yes, I am a sinner. Well, Christ has already given you that light. Christ has already given you that knowledge and that understanding about yourself and about Him and about how you can come to know Him. And so he will go on to give you more light and more understanding until you truly know him and until you truly are, are saved. That glimmering of light that you now have, Christ has given that to you. Christ has given you that insight. He has already, we could say, taken you by the hand and led you and shown you these things and revealed these things to you. And now he will continue this passage tells us He will continue to illuminate you. The good work that He has started in you, He will complete. But friends, you must trust in Him. And I close with this. You must trust uh, in Christ. You have to let Him take you by the hand. When He stretches out His hand uh, to you and He says to you, Come unto Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Well, you must stretch out your hand, as it were, in faith to Him. The invitation is there. You have to stretch out your hand and say, Lord, take my hand. Lord, take my life. I believe in You. I believe that You died on Calvary's cross for me. Take my, take my life. Save my soul. Take my, 
life, I give it to you, I yield myself to you, lead me to yourself, lead me not only now, but lead me through life. From now on, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm not going to walk in front of you. I'm not going to leave you out of my life. I'm going to follow you, Lord. Lead me to yourself. Be my leader. Be the one who saves my soul. Be the one who leads me all the way to glory, to heaven. Friends, this is a response that we must also make. So I hope these words tonight will be of some encouragement to us not to give up seeking the Lord, but to continue until we find Him and make Him our own Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Oh God, our gracious, our kind, our good, our loving God and Savior, help us, we pray. Come, O oh Lord, how we thank Thee that Thou dost stretch out Thy hand to take our hands. How needy a people we are, Lord, to be led by Thee. We do not desire to be led by any other but by Christ. We are afraid to be led by any other. But, O oh Lord, we trust that we can be led in the right way, in the good way, if we are led by our Saviour. And come, we pray, and lead each one of us to Thyself. Grant us that eyesight that we need. Grant us that clarity of vision to see things clearly and savingly. Come and make us all, each one Thine own, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and bless us. We ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. Let's close by singing our final hymn, number 390, Lord, I was blind, I could not see, 390.